We're in a conversation that focuses on inspiring the next generations to follow Jesus. We recognize how important it is. Because as Brent Silkey said just a few weeks ago from this platform, only 4% of Gen Z have a biblical worldview. That means the way they navigate life, the way they see life, the way they see relationships, the way they see what's happening in the world, all of those different things are seen without the lens of a biblical worldview. 96% of them are navigating life on their own or the way that other people tell them they should. Only 4% are looking through and understanding from a biblical worldview. We understand how important this conversation is for that and many other reasons. Let's remind ourselves what sort of our overarching verse has been for this series. Psalm 78 verse 7. Each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. It is vitally important that every next generation owns faith, owns their belief in Jesus, the Word of God, all these things themselves. It's not about mom and dad just knowing Jesus, although we'll talk about the impact of that today, but it's that the next generation must take hold of faith and take hold of what it means to be a Jesus follower themselves. Our focus right now in this conversation has been last week and this week, parenting. And I'll remind us that we cannot overemphasize the impact of godly parents. We cannot overemphasize parents who follow Jesus. Remember that in Deuteronomy 6, which we'll read again in a moment, remember that it starts with loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then it carries from there to impress this upon your children. Then it goes from there to make sure that you're passing this on to the next generations. It starts with who we love. Because who we love and who we follow and who we pay attention to is going to directly affect how we live, what we do, how we make decisions, and so forth. So parents who follow Jesus, who have a heart for the Lord, who love God, and then there are people who are going to... Godly parents are people who are going to teach their children what it means to follow Jesus, to have a healthy, ongoing relationship with Jesus. And we must do our best part to pass on Jesus and faith and God's Word to the next generations. Let me remind you, Deuteronomy 6. Listen, O Israel, the Lord, our, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So we see that we are to love the Lord and to pass on that love for the Lord to the next generations. We are to really make sure we're intentional and focused on repeating these truths, on living these truths with our children. Let me take just a touch of pressure off of those who are parents today, those who are just stepping into parenthood, those who long to be parents in the future, uh, and even maybe parents today who your children are grown and they're already out of the house and uh, you're just you're just thinking about all of this, and as we walk through this journey, you're saying, man, this is, it's a lot. Let me, let me pause to say to you right off the bat that as lead pastor and as our staff pastors, we all feel like that parenting is one of the greatest tasks and one of the greatest challenges in life today. We, we actually don't believe it's just 
easy. <laughs> we believe there's some tough days, and uh, part of that comes from our own family experiences and raising children ourselves. Part of it comes from just recognizing all the challenges that parents face today. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to overburden you here, but like it's a big deal, and uh, and our kids are fighting through all sorts of weeds to try to see Jesus and experience Jesus and follow Jesus in this journey. So I want to say to you today, first of all, as parents, we won't be perfect. Turn to your neighbor and tell them this morning, you're not perfect. Now, for those of you who are spouses and enjoyed that a little too much, we have a marriage night later this month that you can be a part of. But the reality is, we're not perfect. And we're not going to be perfect. And we're not going to get every little thing right. That's, that's not an excuse. It's not a way for us to say it doesn't matter. It's just simply realizing that we are limited and that we fall short sometimes. We can't be perfect. We won't be perfect. But we can be intentional. The goal in our heart, the goal in our lives, the goal in our homes is to obey God and to help there be an ongoing spiritual growth in our family. I would challenge us today to remember that Scripture teaches us we must care more about pointing our kids to Jesus than we do about pointing them to worldly success. I'm going to say that again. We should care more about pointing our children to Jesus than we do about pointing them to just mere world success. Don't get me wrong. We all want our children to grow and do well with education. We all want our children to have a career. We all want them to make their own money so they don't have to keep using ours. We, we all want these things. We want them to have success. We want them to have healthy marriages. We want them to have families. We want, we want all of these things. But ultimately, what we don't want to create in our homes and in our kids' hearts is this idea that to really be happy or really be content, they've got to have everything the world has to offer. What we want to teach them is that Jesus, first and foremost, matters most. We want to teach them that contentment comes in Christ, not in stuff. And that you can you not be the richest person and not drive the fanciest car and not wear all the name brand clothes and all those different things. That you can have not, not even have all the things the world says people should have. And yet you can still be joy-filled and peace-filled and on the right track with Jesus. That relationship with Him matters most. How can we be intentional? Well, I would suggest today that to impact our children, to impact the next generations, we need to be committed to verbal communication and visible demonstration. Verbal communication and visible demonstration. Uh, it's, it's not one or the other, it's both and. There are times we teach verbally, and all the time they're watching, so we must also demonstrate visibly. We'll talk more about that in a few moments. The questions for us become, how can we teach our children the truth of Scripture? How can we model in our lives what it means to follow Jesus and to live by that truth? How do we show them what we do in moments of weakness or crisis? How do we show them how to navigate what's maybe going on in the world or at work or whatever the case? How do we navigate all these things? How do we teach it? How do we model it? How do we do these things both in verbal communication and in visible demonstration? I want to talk to you about a couple of key areas today that I think are vitally important that our children learn from a young age, that we impress, as Scripture says, impress it upon their hearts, that we show them 
how to live this out. First of all, I want to talk about Bible engagement. Bible engagement. I read a great quote from somebody that said, Stop giving kids Bible names but no Bible lessons. (laughs) Moses tried to rob me last night. (laughs) You'll catch that one later. Uh, The Bible is really important. Are, Are there times, this is a good question for you to ponder in your own home, are there times when the Bible is being read in your home? Not just in church, not just in kids' group, not just in a youth group, not just in the moments when it's the thing to do as a Christian in a local church, but is, are there moments in your home, in your life, and in your kids' lives when the Scripture is being read? Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says that Scripture is God's Word to us, that it is God-breathed, God-inspired. That means when the writers sat down to write everything that we have in our copy of God's Word, it wasn't just for them to write down what they thought was their best opinion. It was that the Holy Spirit guided them on what to write so that now, centuries later, we can still read those words that still are just as relevant and just as applicable to our lives. So we need to understand and hold the Word of God to that level in our lives, that this is authority for us. Are there times when the Bible is being read in your home? First of all, you can do that together. I would challenge you on a practical level. We talked about bite-sized goals and practical ways to walk this out. Choose a day, choose a time, choose a place. If you're not doing any of it at all, start with once a week and build from there. Is there a day, a time, and a place when the family all comes together and reads some of God's Word? Is there a time, is there a day, is there a place when the family comes together and reads Scripture? It can be a lot of different things. You can read some of the narratives of Scripture and read some of the Bible characters of Scripture. You can read some form of a devotional that is relevant for all of the ages in your home. Uh, But the point being to engage Scripture together, that they're hearing it, they're seeing it, you're modeling it, that it's vitally important, this is going to be a priority in our family. There are a lot of different tools that you can use. I'll just mention a couple of them. Of course, the first and foremost being that you can receive a parent cue card. If your kids are in EPAG kids, they give out every week a way for you to have an ongoing conversation about what's happening in those groups and about what they're learning. So on the way home, you can ask them questions. It even provides some of the questions that you're able to read and you're, you're able to ask them and it engages in that conversation. There's things like the Bible Engagement Project. It's a free subscription to open up, and there's actually material for every age level in your home. There's even a complete section with video content and everything that you can use that are called family devotions. And you can spend time. The Assemblies of God has worked diligently and spent millions of dollars to put this together to resource people, the Bible Engagement Project. There are Fire Bible apps and Bible apps for kids that you can download that help them walk through Scripture in a way that is relevant to their learning style. The goal right now, in this moment, is not for you to jump from nothing to every moment of every day, because that's not realistic. The goal is to take a first step. The goal is to take a next step. 
Where do we go from here? How do we, if we're not engaging Scripture as a family unit at some point in time, how do we incorporate that into our family? And of course, you can do that individually as well. You want to create opportunities for kids from a young age to learn what it means to have time with God early on. I remember in college... I learned a lot more about what it meant to really have a relationship with God. I learned a lot more about what... Because, I mean, my parents had faith, and we went to church. But there's something about that time with the Lord on a personal level. And if if you can help your kids learn early what it means to spend time talking to the Lord, what it means to let God speak into their life, don't don't worry if they say, well, I don't feel like I'm hearing God. That's okay. Over time, they're going to learn. They're going to grow in that. They're going to begin to recognize more of God speaking into their life. But if that can start young, and so you model it, what does it look like for you on a personal level to sit down and read Scripture? And I understand we're not looking to be bragged upon. We're not looking to post it to social media. But it's okay for you to read your Bible in a way that is open so that your kids can see you doing those things. They're learning your patterns. They're learning your behaviors. I remember growing up that, and I had an epiphany first service about this today. I remember growing up, my mom would keep her Bible and usually a devotional book or something like that on the the end table or the side table beside a couch or a chair. And I would see her repeatedly, daily, picking up that scripture, reading that scripture, and do these different things. I realized uh, earlier today that that's why I probably leave a Bible laying on the table is because I'm, it's a habit thing, and my wife would say it's probably I just didn't pick up behind myself. But anyway, but anyway the point being, make it visible. So, so make it impressionable, pour into their lives, help them have those spots in time, help them come together as a family unit and do those things, but then also make a, make a mark or make an impression where you are doing that on an individual level as well, and they're able to see that and learn from you. Give these children opportunity. I'll go one step further. When it comes to the children, uh, I would love to see that our children from young ages are practicing memorization. Now, I, I am well aware that we have the attention span of goldfish, like, we, we don't do well keeping attention. In fact, right now, some of you are making lunch plans. Okay? So, it's... <laughs> if you can't say amen, say oh me. So, uh, the point being, we, we have very, very, very small attention spans. We, it's a hard for us. But if we can get to a point where we read Scripture, and then we're reflecting on what we're reading. Like, we don't want to just... We don't just mark it off the list. We're not just trying to make a mental ascent. We want to get this deep into who we are. The psalmist said, I have hidden your word in my heart, Psalm 119. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I am growing in a heart level, not just a mind level, not just a feeling level. I'm growing in a heart level that this is shaping who I am and how I think and my motives and my words and my actions. But it starts inwardly. God is not just interested in changing your outside actions. God wants to change you from the inside, because if he changes you from the inside, the outside will change. Transformation is inside out, not outside in. So it's important to give them opportunity. Even memorization, they're going to be learning verses in EPAG Kids. They're going to be learning different scripture. They're going to be memorizing the books of the Bible. But go a step further. You can even incentivize this. Uh, you, can, you can figure out what reward system, what, what basis is best for your children. Some kids love to get money. Don't tell my kids, but right now they think $2 is a lot of money. Don't tell them it ain't. Don't tell them you can't buy a candy bar for that anymore. I mean, seriously. Just do, 
but, but the point is you can, you can create a system to where we're going to start with a, a reward and incentivizing them to do that. But what we're looking for is that as they start that pattern and start that behavior, it becomes deeper than just what they're getting in return. It becomes more about there's a craving that is being stirred in their hearts for the things of God. You're, we'll talk about this in a moment, but you're creating an appetite for the things of God. You're creating a taste of the things of God. And, and we know the more we taste of the Lord, the more we want, right? The more we're with Him, the more we want to be with Him. So we're teaching the value of Scripture. We're teaching that someone can personally engage and understand Scripture. We're also teaching our children that it's best with consistency, it's not just about reading here and reading there or I'll pick it up when I don't feel so good. It's about consistency. And it's important for us to teach that because I'm not sure that we've ever lived in a world that is so um, dominated by how we feel. We tend to want to do things based on how we feel. And I'm going to be bluntly, no sugarcoat honest with you. There are going to be some days that you don't feel like praying. And there are going to be a few days where you don't feel like opening in the natural feeling. Maybe you didn't sleep well the night before. Maybe you're, you're not eating good food. Maybe you... There could be a lot of different factors, okay? We've got to teach our children and even ourselves that it's important to build upon these habits and that it's not about... You know, sometimes you may read Scripture and it doesn't feel like a lot changes, but the more we read the Scripture, the more we engage the Scripture, the more that builds and the more the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. I can tell you, the more consistent I am, the more peace I sense in my life. The more we're walking closely with the Lord, that's how it works. As we're with the Lord, we walk more in peace. When we are allowing space, then we're inviting the worry and the fear and the anxiety and some of that struggle that we can have to more dictate our lives. But when we walk closely with the Lord, we can walk in peace. So, consistency. How do you incorporate reading the Word as a family? How do you incorporate teaching it on an individual level? Secondly, I'll talk about prayer. Matthew 6, Jesus said a profound statement. I know this is really, really deep. Jesus said, and when you pray, it wasn't a question mark, it wasn't a maybe. Jesus showed us in that verse of Scripture in Matthew 6 that as a Jesus follower, prayer is part of our lives. Conversation with God is part of our lives. So when, as a family, are there times when prayer is taking place in the home? Now, it's as simple as praying over food. I understand those moments. I want to teach my children to pray being grateful that they have food to eat because I recognize that there are a lot of people who don't. So we always want to teach them, God, I'm thankful that I just have food to eat. We want to teach them to pray in crisis moments. We want to teach them that if we're struggling through something or there's a lot going on around us, where do we run? We don't run just to inward. We don't run to all these other things. We run to God. We find our help in the Lord. We find our strength in the Lord. They're going to be watching you and listening to you and you navigate tough moments. Where are you running to? How are you handling those things? And if you're handling them, going to the Lord. So you can together, come together, just like with Scripture reading, maybe even in tandem. You're taking a moment each week for the family to come together. It's a good reset moment. We're going to come together as a family, and we're going to read some Scripture together, talk about it a little bit, and then we're going to pray together. And give opportunity for your kids to be involved. Hey, what do you want to pray for? 
How do you need to pray today? Uh, so a couple of different rhythms that have been helpful for us, and I, I'm not trying to talk about us because I'm just going to tell you, remember earlier I said none of us are perfect. All right, so let's just put that out there now. A couple of rhythms that have been really good for us. Uh, at one point, I would, in taking Isabella, our oldest, to school, we would ride in my truck, and the first thing that we would do before we play a song, before we listen to any kind of their favorite music, is, okay, we're going to pray over the day. So I pray over her, I pray over the school, the teachers, the administrators. Be praying for the teachers. I mean, they're, they're teaching your kids, so you really ought to pray for them. No. <laughs> but uh, we're praying for the teachers, praying for the administrators, praying over all that. And then I say, okay, Isabella, what would you like to pray for today? It doesn't have to be profound, it doesn't have to be complex, but I cannot tell you the number of times she's prayed for something pretty deep. Like, hey, help me to be friendly to this person who's making it hard to love them. (laughs) Or help me not to be so bothered if somebody seems to be picking on me. Give them the opportunity to be a part of that. Teach them that they can have an ongoing conversation with God all day long. That they can pray over any moment. They can pray over any amount of time. Pray with your students and teaching them to pray off and on all day long. Number three, local church participation. Now, in a moment, I'm going to tell you why this can't be your only means of discipling your kids. Okay? But I am going to tell you that I would suggest that this is vitally important. Scripture talks about, in Hebrews chapter 10, the importance of assembling ourselves together. And that's not just so somebody can count and see how many people are in the seats. That's because there's something that happens when we come together. There is a work of the Holy Spirit. Scripture says that where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, God will be at work in the midst of them. And so when we come together, Hebrews 10 goes on to say that there's motivation and encouragement that happens between us. When we isolate and we're in darkness, that's where the sinful things take place. That's where the unhealthy comes into play. When we're in community and we're growing together and we're coming together the way God intends, we're able to grow, we're able to sharpen one another, we're able to do this life together. When it comes to our kids, how many know it takes takes a village to raise them, right? I mean, as a parent, I'm not looking to try to do this on my own. I'm looking for all the help I can get. Come on, somebody. I need the help. I need the wisdom. I need somebody who's further along the journey to speak into my life, and I'm hoping that somewhere along the way I've learned enough that I could pass it on to someone who maybe is further behind me on the journey. Jesus died for and birthed his church, and he intends us to grow in community. The Holy Spirit is at work. We learn, we're motivated, we gain wisdom. Iron sharpens iron, passion is stirred. Now, the local church and scriptural teaching are vitally important to your child's future. I am 110% convinced that their tomorrow is being shaped today. Their future is being shaped right now in the present. At the same time, I just, I just want us to understand the reality that this is really a limited time and a limited amount of space that kids are spending in a Christ-centered community called a local church. There are 168 hours in a week. Let's just say on average a student spends about 35 to 40 hours a week in school. They sleep for 56 hours a week, which... I went a little high on that one because I'm not sure any person under 18 years old sleeps eight hours a night, but I went with it. We're only talking about a, a fraction of the amount of time. Out of 168 hours a week, probably only about three of those hours are spent at the church. 
So that means you as a parent, the school your child is a part of, and all of the voices that are around those kids are going to have more time to shape their, your children than anyone else. Yeah, I think the local church is important. In fact, David Pollock, who played for the Georgia Bulldogs, said there's a 0.029%, 0.0296% chance that your child will become a professional athlete, but there's a 100% chance that your child will stand before Jesus. So I believe in the local church. I believe in the importance of growth. I believe in all those things. What I don't want you to do, here's what it comes down to. The local church should be the reinforcements of your child's discipleship, not a substitute in place of your responsibility as a parent. Same is true for Christian school. I know that, uh, that no matter what route you take in that, but even, even if you're, you're taking a route of putting your child in Christian school, I think that's great, wonderful. If you can do that, phenomenal. But don't just drop them off and expect somebody else to disciple your children. That's actually the command that God gives to parents. We want to partner with you. We want to help you. In fact, one of our biggest goals right now, one of the things we're doing the most of right now, is our next-gen pastors and I are studying through resources to see how can we better equip parents? How can we, how can we resource you in the conversations that you're having or that your kids want to have? How can we resource you to know how to navigate some differences in our culture today? All the different things. But I, just, I want you to understand that being a part of a local church community is vitally important. But at just 2% of their week, just remember where else they're learning from. And remember that they're learning from you. Remember they're listening. Remember they're watching. Remember they're paying attention. In local church participation, I encourage you to teach your children to serve and to give and to pray and not just attend the local church. In fact, do you know that you can model being a part of a local church and participation by having a Saturday night preparation? And I don't care whether you iron your clothes or throw them in the dryer to get the wrinkles out. That's up to you. But imagine what it would be like if we started praying for the time we're going to spend together before we actually come together. Think about that. Hey, and even if you don't like what the preacher's preaching, pray for him too. You pray for him, he might even get better at things. Really. I mean, it, it might take a lot of prayer, but still, you should, you should pray. Imagine what would happen if we're teaching our children, we don't just go to church, we are the church, and we're going to pray, and we're going to invest, and we're going to journey together. We're going to be a part of this thing. This is not just if we got time. This is not just a leftover of what's happening in life. This is not just the space we can find to fit in. We're going to center our lives around Christ. And part of being centered around Christ is being a part of the local church. I can't talk about parent children, parenting children without also just mentioning quickly the importance of content consumption. Content consumption. Scripture says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Uh, don't, don't follow the patterns of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Notice that. Again, transformation is inside out. It starts inside and it works its way out in the way we live. So if 98% of time every week for a child is spent outside the local church... What's the other content that your children are consuming? Are you paying attention? 
I've said before and I'll say it again, there is an intentional effort, an intentional target on your child's life. I find it interesting that right before Paul is going to write about in Ephesians chapter 6, spiritual warfare, he talks about the godly family. Think about it. He writes all about the interactions of a husband and a wife representing Christ and his church. He writes about how to parent children and children obeying their father and mother and father and mother raising their children. And then at the end of the letter, he's talking about spiritual warfare. Don't tell me that this ain't a spiritual thing. There's an attack on, our, on the next generations, no doubt about it. I've shared, I think I shared it last week, that we've had moments where our kids are watching a show, we screen shows, we screen movies. By the way, just because it's labeled a kid movie doesn't mean it is. Just make sure you know that. Uh, we screen things before our kids watch them. They have to be approved before they're watching them. If we, if we catch them, then they become grounded or have a time where they're not able to use those things. And so uh, we have had moments where we've screened something and it was great to start and then Four, five, six, seven episodes in, all of a sudden they started interjecting with these themes that are not in alignment with God's Word. And so at that point, it's off. We have to be intentional with that. Let me, let me go one step further when it comes to content, though. On a practical level, make sure, if you're going to pay attention to what they shouldn't have, let's make sure again and put in what should be had. Okay, so what I mean by that is you can, you can have all the intentionality you want to make sure they're not consuming the wrong things, but something is going to fill that vacuum. Something's going to fill that void. So let's say you're taking their, 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 these things away because they're not healthy, they're not godly, they don't align to Scripture and the values that need to be taught to your kids. Well, make sure on the other side that you're incorporating what we've talked about earlier with Bible engagement and prayer, time with the family, because otherwise something's going to fill that void. Some voice is going to be heard. We have to make sure it's the right voices. Just to wrap up and give you some overall principles today, I'll say this. First of all, be intentional. Uh, today, the question for you, for your family unit is, what should be our first step? What should be our next step? Like I said, if you're not doing any of these things and you're saying, you know what, I want to be more intentional, I want my kids to know the Lord, then today it's about, okay, we're going to target a day and a time. We're going to spend some time as a family together doing these things. We're going to target what that first step or what that new habit needs to be. There's a book written called Atomic Habits, and the author of the book forms this principle called uh, habit stacking, and it's the idea that you attach a new habit to a habit that you already have. So let's say you have a family movie night. That's great. If you already have an existing family movie night, then attach this new habit of before we watch the movie, we're going to read Scripture and pray. Or this is a time when the family is home, so we're going to target then to introduce this new habit. When it fits in these rhythms, we're going to make sure that we're putting this into our rhythm of life. I said earlier, for us it was that the rhythm we found was on the way to school in the morning, or before they go to school, or at night before bed, or whatever the case. And you can teach them all throughout the day, of course, as well. But where can you put this new habit? Where can you make sure to create this new rhythm? Number two, so be intentional. Secondly, be consistent. Um, I'm going to summarize it very simply. Practice what you preach. Practice what you preach. Um, what hurts my heart the most, truthfully, 
uh, are people who have, not just people who are unchurched, because there are plenty of people in our world today who are unchurched because they weren't raised in a godly home. And how would they ever do and how would they ever live in a rhythm of grace that they've never known, right? They've never been taught those things. What breaks my heart probably even more so are the de-churched. Those are people who have been part of a local church community somewhere and they've left for a variety of different reasons. But one of the ones that hurts the most is when the biggest tension and struggle that people have with being a part of a local church is that they grew up in a local church, they grew up with parents who took them to be a part of a local church, but what happened at home didn't align with the language of the church. They could quote it, they could say it, they could amen it in the church, but when they got home, their parents at home and private were different people than they were at church. I just want to challenge us as parents. Let's practice what we preach. Let's, let's live what we're teaching. Let's not just say we believe, but let it show in the way we live. They're watching. They're listening. How can we be consistent uh, and even consistent in repeat those things, repeat those principles, repeat what God is saying, repeat the word. Uh, you might get sick of saying it repeatedly, but just keep, keep saying those things to them. Number three, be committed to the journey. Another way to word this would be com- be committed to the long haul. Um, maybe you're the parent that's in the room today and you think, you know what, we read a Devo last week and Jimmy's still pushing kids on the playground. Like, it doesn't seem to do anything yet. It doesn't seem to, I want, I want my kids to really take this in. I want it to fix them, but it doesn't seem to have fixed them yet. They're still getting in trouble. They're still doing things, whatever the case. Be committed to the long haul. Small habits over time yield significant fruitful results. I said earlier, you may not always feel like that time with the Lord, but the more you do that, the more it becomes a habit. And the more it becomes a habit, the more you want to be with God. And the more you want to be with God, the more you will make it a habit even more so because you crave the things of God. And over time, even sometimes without realizing it, you will have built this habit into your life, but you're not just reading a page and you're not just scrolling a page of reading. You're actually beginning to be formed and shaped more and more by the Holy Spirit. And now you're you're at work and the Holy Spirit's bringing it back to your remembrance and now you're at work and something's going wrong but you've got this overwhelming sense of peace that God's in control. The, the more you do that, the more you're committed to that journey, the more it is ingrained in our hearts. You're not just, listen closely parents, you're not just leading for the moment, you're leading impact for a lifetime. Remember that. You, you may read the Bible today and pray with your kid, and your kid might be just like mine. My middle kid, Annalyn, I love her so much. She's so cute. She's the one with the curls. I don't know why, but she seems to be the only one with the curls in our family. She loves the powdered cheese in the mac and cheese bowls from Kraft. And I cannot tell you how many times we have told her, do not go in the kitchen and grab the mac and cheese bowls and start opening the mac and cheese bowls and taking the powdered cheese out and just eating the powdered cheese. That is not what you need to do. You're also wasting the rest of the mac part. But I can promise you, we read Scripture and pray, 
And I still look up, and there's this little head behind the counter, kneeling down, sneakily, because they all know how to sneak, no matter what age they are, and they, she's still sneaking in the kitchen. She's still the one who snuck around not too long ago. If you're wondering why Aubrielle looks like she had a haircut, she did. It happened. Why? Because Annalyn found a pair of scissors. I mean, kids find stuff you didn't even know was still in the house. Like, I thought we hid all of these scissors. Where did she find this pair of scissors? So mom had to blend it in and fix her hair. Okay? So, so there's moments where I'm like, you know, I'm not just so sure this Jesus is sinking in yet. I, I, I mean, she's not possessed, but... Don't you look at me in that tone of voice. Because every last one of you that's parents in this room that's got a child old enough to talk knows exactly what I'm talking about. You guys know the the phrase, the force is strong with that one? We have a t-shirt that we made years ago. It started with one of the older girls. Now it's with our little one. And it says, the sass is strong with this one. I mean, that's our life. My point is... There are going to be moments where you think, is this really working? Is this really helping? Trust the promises of God that you are speaking that truth and you're watering that truth and that there is a work of the Holy Spirit that is forming their lives, whatever age they are. I would also encourage you to be willing to risk your reputation in order to honor God and to raise children to follow Jesus. Uh, My oldest is 11. She has a watch that gives her the ability to contact us but has no access to any kind of social media or additional internet content. She has friends or people at school that already have phones or other devices. And there are going to be moments where they probably say, wait a minute, you're whatever age and you don't have a phone yet? Hey, if that's for you and your family, that's your decision. I would challenge you, whatever you give them access to, that there should be limitations that you should be intentional about it. But my point is, be willing to risk your reputation in order to do what you feel is best for them following Jesus. Be willing to swim upstream. I don't know how you feel as a parent today, but uh, and even for people who may future in the future be parents, but I, there are days where it feels like everybody's going this way, and here we are trying to lead our family in a godly way, so we're having to swim in the opposite direction. Be okay with that. Be okay with maybe a little bit of feeling uncomfortable in the world because you're trying to follow Jesus and help your family to do the same. And lastly, don't be afraid to seek wisdom. Don't be afraid to seek wisdom. Can we just be a people who it's okay to say, hey, I'm learning in some area in my life? That it's okay to say, you know what? I don't have all this figured out and I'd love to have wisdom. I'd love for someone else to pour into my life. I'd love for God to help me especially. Um... If you don't know, uh, our three daughters, um, the two oldest ones, have have already been diagnosed, and now we've begun to be able to trace back in families. And anyway, um, our two oldest and, and our youngest has we've been told that that to go ahead and basically assume they're all three on the autism spectrum. Now, a lot of people wouldn't know that. Because the challenge about autism is that a lot of times, or at least some cases, some cases it's really prevalent like you can tell. Sometimes, especially with kids and especially with girls, we've discovered is it's not always as obvious. 
It's more about how the brain works and more about how the brain is wired than it is just about the outward actions. So, so I'm, I'm in an interesting process right now as a parent where I'm trying to, to learn and understand more about what's going on in the mind so that I can help be able to have a conversation and help, help them have the right motivations and why they're doing things and help them grasp the, the, the way of learning to the way that applies for their life. I got to tell you, Never been on this journey before. Don't have all the answers. But that's okay. God gives us wisdom, and God gives us people that we can talk to. That's part of the local church. I mean, I would love to see it that, that we embrace one another to the point that any parent who feels like they're struggling can go to another parent who maybe is further down the road, and they can say, you know what, I'm just struggling. Can you tell me what worked for you guys? Or can you tell me maybe some practical ways of, of how to navigate this? And I understand some of the issues may be different, but, but at least you can have an ear to talk with and you can trust the Holy Spirit to be at work as you're spending that time together. That's what Scripture says. Don't be afraid to seek wisdom. And I want to just say this. I wrote this down word for word, and I'm just going to say it and trust that the Lord impresses it on your heart if it's for you today. You're not a failure. You've just never been this way before. You're not a failure, parents. You've just never been this way before. There are generations ahead of you that can pour into you. Your local church, we are in the process right now as next-gen pastors and myself. We are reviewing resources like crazy. They're coming from all sorts of different places. We want to make sure that they're biblically sound before we pass them on to you. But we want to be able to resource you and help you in navigating the things you're navigating, some of which are brand new in some ways. But to navigate these things well or to help you in a crisis or to help you have conversations that are, that are better to come from you than they are from the world we're living in. We want to help you do that. And I want to go one step further. What does it mean to seek wisdom? I want you to know that it is okay and it does not go against Scripture for you to seek help from some form of therapy. Right now, our family, that's our active discussion. Because here, here's where we live. We live in this theological tension, okay? So, we live in this theological tension that says... We understand we live in a sinful, fallen world because the sin that entered, there are consequences. So people have a lot of hurts and aches and pains and challenges as a result of sin being in the world that God never intended it to be, right? Okay. So we also understand when we study Jesus in Scripture that there are multiple occasions where Jesus healed people physically, right? And you can even go a further step emotionally, mentally, and onward. So there's this tension and I, I told a friend of mine the other day, I'm, I'm probably living in it too with my own. I'm praying for healing and trusting the Lord to touch my children's lives in the best way that's needed. And at the same time, as a parent, I've been given these children to steward well what I'm supposed to do in raising them. So I'm also going to seek resources to try to help them learn in the way that they are capable of learning the way that their mind is wired. You with me? What I get concerned about that is a broken theology is that somehow seeking a resource or other help is a, is a violation of faith. 
Let me say it a different way. That somehow if I seek out any kind of help, I must not have faith in God to change the situation. That's a broken theology. It's a broken theology. I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of coming to the place where I think everybody could use a therapist. Yeah. I, 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 I chuckle about that, but honestly, we all got junk, and we all got things to deal with, and we're all wired differently. So, so if you come to this place as a parent or as a family, and you're struggling to navigate, and it just doesn't seem to be clicking, and, and you're trying to figure out, pray, engage Scripture, Invite the Holy Spirit to be at work. And also trust to seek out a Christian resource that can also help you to know how to navigate these things. Do it all. That's okay. That's okay. Ultimately in Scripture, Jesus taught the disciples, then he also modeled what he taught them, and then he sent them out. And in a lot of ways, that's what we're doing as parents. We're teaching them. We're modeling it in front of them. And then there comes a point, usually somewhere between 18 and 57, there comes a point where we send them out. Scripture talks about the the quiver full of arrows, and we, we launch them out. So we're wanting to teach them, we want to model it before them, and we want to be able to send them out. And when we send them out, we want them to be prepared to pursue Jesus and to trust God for guidance in their lives. Proverbs 22.6 in the ESV says this, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. To train up or direct means to give them an appetite, or as we said earlier, to give them a taste for the things of God. And there may be some parents today who are listening, and your children are grown and they're out of the home. This is the promise for you to cling to. That what you've done in parenting planted seeds, and now the Lord, by the work of the Holy Spirit and by other godly people, are watering those seeds, and those seeds are going to grow. And even if it seems like they're far away from God in this moment, that there's somewhere deep down is truth implanted, and we're believing it to be watered and to grow, and that they will come back to the roots they know about the truth of God. In some ways, I would go further and say this. Parents, you think, possibly, that you're raising your kids so at 18 they can leave home, but the fight's not over. We're parents for a lifetime in many ways, and I don't mean that you should interject your opinion on how they should do everything once they're adults, but I do mean that you keep fighting for them in prayer, and you keep encouraging them, and you keep being on that journey with them, and you keep the door open to loving them, even if you maybe don't agree with everything that's going on, you at least can love them and make sure that they know where to come when they're in that crisis. Because they'll hit it at some point. And I don't know who I'm supposed to say this to, but at some point, somebody has a child who, they'll, they'll hit a moment, they'll hit a moment, and they'll need somewhere to go, And you can feel confident in knowing they at least know where to turn to. They know who to run to. I just get that visual of the prodigal son walking back up the long... You can paint this however you want to paint it, but I envision this really long driveway. And from a long way off, the father sees him. Here's the son walking up with his head low, getting ready to repent and admit that he's sinned against heaven and he's sinned against his father. 
And the father runs out and embraces him with the greatest joy you could ever imagine. I don't know who it is, but I know that there are prodigals that are going to come home. And I don't mean just to come back physically to a geographical location or to come back to your house. That may not be the best thing anyway. But I'm talking about coming back to the Lord that they knew in their childhood that maybe they've walked away from. That's a good promise to cling to today. I want to encourage the whole EPAG community, and then we're going to wrap up. I want to challenge you to be committed to serve the next generations. How do we do that? Here are are five quick thoughts. Number one, love and support the parents. Be those people that people can talk to. Uh, you You keep an ear open and you keep your mouth shut. I'll say that again. That's good preaching, Pastor Chris. Why don't you preach that one more time? You know, I think I will. Ears open, agreeable to prayer, faith in Christ to work, and your mouth shut. Because when they come to talk to you, it's not your business to tell to everybody else. There are people who are being transparent and even vulnerable, giving you permission to hear it and giving you permission to speak back into their life. You don't dare corrupt their family and put a cloud over them by spreading it to someone else. You journey with people, not against people. Sorry, I think that hit a nerve for just a second. I'll call that the anointing. Love and support the parents. If you're around the children in the church, maybe you don't even have the kids, but especially if they're younger kids, can I give you one simple piece of advice? Get down on their level. Get down on their level. I, uh, I know that a lot of our kids are coming from... Man, I'm getting old. My knee hurts. Uh, I, know that, uh, I know that it only gets worse from here. Uh, yeah, let's just hope I can get back up. That's the, that's the real truth. Uh, get down there with them because I know, I know a lot of our kids come from, from God-fearing homes and a lot of parents, even in this room or online, you're all trying to raise your children the right way. I know too that there are kids that are coming in that aren't from healthy homes. And uh, sometimes the affirmation and the friendliness and the support that they get is only what they get inside the four walls of this church. You have no idea what it can mean to people, kids, to get down on their level and say, you know what, I just love that dress you've got on today. It's so cute. You know what, man, those shoes are fly. I need a pair of those. You know what, man, I'm so proud of you. I love seeing you here every time. It goes a long way. It goes a long way. And I, don't, I can't speak for everyone, but I know for us, we, we personally have never lived near, near our biological families. So this is our family. And so we're in this together. And so what you do to love and support my children goes a long way because they have adoptive spiritual grandparents. They have adoptive people who are loving them, that are reaffirming them, that are supporting them. Got to tell you, as a pastor, that goes a long way. Our family being encouraged, too. We can do that for each other. We can do that for our children. Serve in our next-gen ministries. Serve in, with our kids. Serve with our youth. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not good to teach in the classroom. Or maybe you would say, my patience is just not long enough to do that. And I would say to you, well, then serve on their support side. 
Help them put the stuff in the totes that's got to be put in the classroom for the next week of preparation. Help them prepare some of the crafts. There's some role that you can fulfill even if it's not that teaching role, even if it's not something that may be a little stretch for you. There are roles you can do to support. And how about pray for them? What would happen if we pray for our students? Adopt EPAG families as your own. I, I've got a dream in my heart that somehow along the way we would, we would cross the generations in this way that we would have adoptive grandparents and we would have adopted families and they would all serve and love each other. How beautiful would that be? Help somebody who's coming in. Hey, hey listen, let me, let me just tell it from my perspective for just a moment and we're wrapping up. My wife had surgery this week. She couldn't even move her arm from the surgery. She had a nerve block. It was like the fake wrestling that happens on TV and they're trying to see if they're down for the count and they hold their arm up and it just falls, right? I mean, that's... that's and, and then the pain sets in as the nerve block wears off and then your fingers are... T- I mean, I'm in the hair and makeup business at this point. Y'all don't even understand. We get here this morning... Because I was driving them to church. She ain't even supposed to be driving on pain medicine anyway. I drive them to church. We're later than, we, than I am ever to church on a Sunday. Which means I've got attention in my heart already. And it's so nice when you walk in the door. Some of you parents might know what I'm talking about. And you're, do, you're doing good just to get here. I'm gonna be honest. I kind of felt like that a little bit this morning. Hey, my wife's hair looks good. Um, she's not thriving in or, or, or throbbing in pain. My kids are. Dra- you know what? We did it. We did it. Sometimes parents feel that way. Do you know how far it goes to be able to help them just to get in the door? Or on a Wednesday night to help them get food for their multiple kids they're trying to feed at the table and you walk over and you're just helping them grab food and getting it to the table so that they can be able to see that people love them. This goes a lot deeper than just maybe what we sometimes see or think or have on our minds when we come in. But man, we can do so much to be a part of this. Why don't you stand with me this morning? we don't wrap up now it'll be afternoon so let's let's wrap up there's so much more we could say in the coming months we intend to do do more conversation outside of just outside of just the Sunday morning conversation because we recognize that there's so much more content that we can discuss together and I want you to hear coming forward uh, in the next few months from our from our next gen pastors too and hear their hearts and, and hear what they're seeing and, and some of the different things. I'm going to ask our prayer team members to come and make yourselves available on either side of the auditorium. These prayer team members today are here for just a couple of reasons. Number one, if you'd like to talk about what it means to follow Jesus or to make a decision to follow Jesus and you'd like to talk and pray with someone, they're here to help you with that. Uh, number two, if you have a need in your life or in your family or in someone you know and it's really heavy on you today and, and, and you just need God to come through, these are people who will agree with you and, and with faith in the Lord, they'll believe God to work in your life. I'm going to challenge you to respond if that's not you for some reason. I'm going to challenge you to respond in a different way today. I'm going to challenge you if you're here with your family unit in the room to spend some time in response together. 
And if you're not, then just find a couple of people next to you and talk this out. What is your next step? What's your next step? In your home with your kids raising the next generation or as part of the church that maybe your parents are grown and gone or maybe you're not parents yet. What does it look like? What is your step today in helping to see the next generation know Jesus? I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite you to respond today in that way. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for working in our hearts today. I think we all know, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is at work. I think we all desire for your Holy Spirit to be at work. So we just invite you to lead us and help us. We as parents recognize, God, that we don't have it all figured out. We want your help, Lord. And we want to be supportive. And we want to be guilty of ministering to the next generations. We want them to feel loved and seen and known by you and by others. So Lord, would you help us today to take a first step or a next step? To take a first step or a next step? To be intentional, to be consistent. God, help us. Whether we're part of the local church or whether it's discussion in our family unit, help us, oh God, to be a part of seeing the next generations know you. Father, as we respond today and then go from this place, I pray that you bless and keep this people. You make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. May your countenance, your favor, ever be turned in their direction and grant them your peace, I pray. Keep us. Work mightily in our families. Work mightily in this church community. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you respond today.